What's up, guys, and welcome to episode number 18 of the Coffee with Sam podcast. Now, look what coming in the post, guys. If you're on YouTube, you can see. If you're on Apple Podcasts, I will tell you. It's a Coffee with Sam podcast t-shirt, and it's got my face on it from Power Nation, the company that sponsors a few of our episodes, and we had the CEO, Ryan Cleaver, on the show not long ago. So for all your cheer apparel and sport apparel, get at Power Nation Cheer. Now today's podcast, my guest is Graham Baines, one of the owners of um, Bournemouth Elite Cheer. Now today's podcast is Graham is going to be interviewing me about my past and about my uh, cheerleading career. His athletes from Bournemouth have a few questions they would like to ask me and I said, Let's jump on a podcast and get them answered. So welcome to the show, Graham Baines. Hi. What's up, Graham? How are you, good? Yeah, good. Um, I'm just working on leveling up my voice volume. Been talking quietly for like three days. Um, but other than that, doing nice, which is good. So I actually went back to work last week and then had to come off again because I had a high temperature when I first found out my tonsils. Until I passed my coronavirus test, I'm not allowed to go back. Oh, yay! We <laughs> well, dude, don't don't you don't have to talk too loud because you're on your phone or your laptop. Phone. It's picking it up fine, so just talk. Okay. Just talk normally. Average volume. If I have to mess with the audio. I will do. That should be alright. Nice T-shirt. How sick. Where's that from? Ryan sent it me. Nice. <laughs> it's cool, isn't it? That's a good. One. I got a hoodie as well. Good. Let's get into it then, Graham. We are live. Welcome to the podcast. I'm very happy to have you on. Um, and I hear you have some questions for me from your athletes at Bournemouth Elite Cheerleading. I do. I had loads of questions. I actually had so many questions. Um, we had to take them and cut them down a little bit and pick our favourites because apparently you're a very interesting guy and lots of people want to know a lot about you and you've had a really interesting cheer career you've done so many different things um and i think a lot of people look to you when they're thinking about what they want to do with their cheerleading career so it'd be great to, to get some insights of, of what you've done i was about to say is that you making all these up or am i actually that interesting because when you sent me the <laughs> list of questions i was like wow i don't even think about asking myself this um <laughs> So, yeah, this is for your, your Bournemouth at the moment. The way you're dealing with what's going on is you're, you've created like an online classroom system. Mm -hmm. So, so we're doing 10 sessions a week um, and we have been since the start of May. And basically just to keep everyone up to date. So we're, they're mostly fitness sessions doing conditioning aimed at stunting, conditioning aimed at tumbling, stretching and conditioning aimed at jumps. Um, bits for dance but then we also want to have a couple of um, different sessions in there as well so we've done sessions on cheer scoring how to coach how to choreograph um, and we thought it would be really interesting to have a session just to kind of help with people's aspirations and what they want to get from cheerleading because I think most of us when we think what are we in cheerleading for we've got an aim we've got somewhere we want to go um, and I think it's really important to know how to get to that and, and what it's like doing some of those incredible things. So I think it'd be really useful for them. Um, having said that, kind of leads me on to my first question. I've said a lot of these guys look up to you. Who inspired you in your cheerleading career? 
Oof. That is a good one. These are probably the ones that when I looked at it, when you gave me the list, I was like, I never really had people I looked up to um, because as yourself, you know, when you first started cheer, it was very small. There weren't very many males in the sport. Um, so it was kind of create your own path. Um, but someone that I did ask a lot of questions to and confide in quite a lot was Chris Johnston, if that's how I say it right, from Unity All-Stars, who was, I know you've been a, an athlete with him. Um, he's not in the cheer industry anymore. But when I was growing up, that was where we looked to. We looked to AEC, we looked to Unity. And um, I literally just reached out once. I think it was about a pair of trainers, like what trainers to buy. Um, then ever since then, whenever we met at competitions, he'd always ask how I was going, how I was getting on. Um, I do remember a time at Worlds when he wasn't competing. The, he was meant to be retiring the season after. And he actually come up to me, put his arm around me and said, what do you guys do right at Coventry? And I was, um, we had a, a big conversation and he was like, I think I've got to do another year. I can't, I can't leave it like that. And that was pretty cool because I'd say, yeah, I'd say I probably, I did. I looked up to him, seeing him at flight school, him actually coming back to me on social media was like, whoa, these are these big level six people and they're coming back to me. For him to come and put his arm around me and say that to me, it was pretty, a pretty cool moment um, for someone. I would say, yeah, it would probably what him, Chris Johnson, he, that would probably shock him if he ever sees this or hears it, but Definitely someone I looked up to, but people that drove me to do what I did are just people doing things in sport that aren't very well known, as in well-known sports, um, which drove me to do what I wanted to do in cheerleading. Love it. And I, I, actually, I really love that answer. I, I know Chris very well, and he's not one of those people that was ever all over social media. He was never someone to big himself up or, or you know, chat a big game, but he's such a genuine, down-to-earth, nice guy who works so hard at what he did that, uh, yeah, he's the kind of people we definitely need more of in cheerleading. Social sure. media weren't a thing when we started Cheer Grey. <laughs> <laughs> 12 years ago, I think, ago 12 years ago, I think Instagram was probably just about, just kind of just there. Um, I think, and I think that's what made more, not, I didn't have people to look up to because you never saw it. It was literally just, well, I saw him at competition. I actually remember getting off the bus at my first ever nationals when nationals used to be at Brighton and Chris and his brothers were outside the arena. And it was very like, Oh my God, that's the dudes from unity. And it, it started then. Um, and we're talking way back now. That was when you used to have team USA would come over compete against unity um that was the year before i started the last brighton nationals yeah that was my first ever nationals then it moved to bournemouth then we had a bit more better weather <laughs> we love bournemouth great great town but i would um, say when... i would say now though that people do have a lot more people to look up to um than i did a lot more inspiration a lot more go-getters um, but do pick who you follow and look up to wisely. 
Well, I guess my next question for you then is why did you, the first time you went for Team England, what made you think that I should go for this? Someone said I couldn't. Oh, and this, love that. that's going to be a, that's a, it's probably going to keep coming up in all these questions. The reason why I went for Coventry was because someone said I wouldn't. The reason why I went for Team England is because someone said I couldn't. The reason why I went to America is because someone said, nah, and I got no chance. Um, so it's going to be a very occurring thing. But Team England was, I actually didn't get on the first year. I tried out my first year. I was at, at Coventry. First time I did level five all-star, I tried out for Team England. And my best friend actually got on and I didn't. Um, I actually tried out with Alex. <laughs> me, 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 Neil and Alex tried out as a stunt group. Alex flying. Wow. <laughs> People know my partner, Alex. Yeah, flying was not her thing. Um, but yeah, uh, to try it out, didn't get on. That probably fueled me um, to be like, okay, I've tried out once. I, I took the leap. Um, uh, didn't get on. Let's do it again next year. I had a year at All Star. Obviously, progressed massively because my first year at All Star, I was stepping up from level four to level five. Didn't really have a clue what I was doing. Um, and then tried out the following season, yeah, and got on. Um, but I'd say the main reason why I went for it, I don't know, represent your, who doesn't want to represent their country? It, could be, it should be an answer to that question too. Who doesn't want to represent a sport you do and love? Who doesn't want to represent their country for one? And because someone in the back of, my, back, back of the picture said, no chance. So when it comes to you know, moving to America, that's a really, really big decision and doing a year of cheer out there. Was there anything else driving behind it or just, you know, people saying you wouldn't be able to or you wouldn't make it? Um, was there an excuse to go and live in America without making the big decision? It was a big decision, but the big decision to actually move there. I love America. I wanted to actually see what it was like to live there. Um, wanted to get to know how they did things and how I actually felt to live in America. Because every time I went to America, I was like, I want to live here. But we only ever went for two weeks in that little bubble. Everyone wants to live everywhere when they're that little bubble. So I was like, let's do it for a little long, a bit of a longer time. But also, um, I wanted to travel. I wanted to travel um, for my own life gain. And while I was out there, it, it, I did change as a person massively. So I got that gain from it. Um, and I suppose to bring back the knowledge, to bring back knowledge to what I wanted to do, to when I wanted to finally take a decision to be a coach, um, like you did yourself. You traveled, you traveled to Top Gun to see how they did things. Um, and Cali was, I loved Cali. I just, I just love it. I love the place. I love the teams. Um, and like I say, as a, as a cheerleader, to say that they've been and done that is another driving reason. Yeah, you've got the people saying you can't do it, but to say I've done it and I live by this little rule of you're born and then you die. You have a big gap in the middle and that's down to you what you do with it. It's not down to anybody else. It's down to you. Um, and I want to lie on my deathbed and be like, yeah, I did everything. Um, and ticking off competing with an American team for me is one of those things that when I, when I want to get to that time, I'll be like, um, I'm happy that that's on the list to have been done. 
nice. Um, like you said, yeah, I've, I've been out there and, and done similar, not you know, not competing out there, but just seeing how another team trains. And there are so many differences to how they train to how we train. What would you say were the biggest differences that you found out there? Dedication from athletes, parents, and coaches. Um, and I will, I'll explain that first by what I mean by dedication. Dedication to me, from what I learned out there, isn't just turning up or what you do outside the gym. It's when you're throwing big curveballs, how do you deal with it? And I had a lot of like light ball moments while I was out there. So I had a friend on the team who actually drove me to practice every hour. He would drive an hour and a half to pick me up and then another two hours to the gym. So he would drive like what, three hours, three, three and a half hours, four times a week just to do cheerleading. And so after he dropped us off, he would then drive an hour and a half on his own. But then that same person actually lost his, his house in the forest fires that we had while I was out there. So he lost, his, him and his family lost everything. Wow. He did not miss a day of practice. He did not miss a carpool picking us up. He wasn't late for picking us up. We were not late to practice. I say he didn't miss a practice, didn't miss a payment. And to me, that level of dedication and wanting to do cheerleading that much, um, I could just imagine that if that happened in England, someone has to, oh, I can't come for a month. I can't come for a month. Um, GoFundMe would go up. I'm not saying that GoFundMe's aren't bad, but just that level of, I will still be there to pick you up in the morning and I will still drop you home at night. Um, I'm not saying, oh, I lost my house last week. Can I have a week off practice? He was there. Then also mm. a girl on another team who was a close friend of the girl I live with, she actually um, lost her father whilst at practice randomly. So Freak lost her father. She did not miss a day of practice. And to me, that's dedication but also showing how much she wants to do cheer that she that's her outlet um same again i don't know how i deal with the situation but the fact that she did that shows that she wants to be at cheerleading for one and two she understands that she's got to be there for practice for the rest of the team to do stuff um so definitely dedication from athletes from parents and coaches but also their willingness and their boldness to speak where they want to be and how good they're going to be. From the minis to the world's athletes, like the minis walk around the gym, like they're about to go and win worlds. And that is infectious. And yeah, we're obviously we're talking a lot at the moment about this. Uh, I don't know if you've seen it, this athlete A that's on, um, on Netflix. And they're going not just about the, the very bad criminal side of it, but the, how intense the practices were. They're saying it's borderline child abuse and borderline abuse. And you could take some things away from that in America that, hmm, but would I have got where I did without that? I don't think I would have done. Um, and it wasn't, say, it's not just that they shout and scream. It's, I think the athletes want to be there so much, they're, they can be shouted at and they can be pushed to their limits. Um, 
but their willingness to want to do that. I found myself in situations where it was like 12 o'clock at night and the coaches would say, um, the coaches would be like, guys, we asked you for three zero runs. You are yet to do that. This is your own fault. Line it back up again. If I was back in my English team, I'd be flipping. I got work tomorrow. Get me in the car, get me home. But I found myself just wanting to be there and accepting that this is what I've got to do and going, yeah, cool. 12 o'clock at night, line it back up again. We're going full out. Um, and I found that's what it did for me being there. Like I say, seeing the minis, the minis wanted to be there. They, they wanted to be pushed. They wanted to be conditioned. They wanted to be the best. They wanted to be flexible. So then they were, they were allowing that intense practices. Um, but yeah, definitely dedication from all around, not just athletes, from their whole unit, family, and then the coaching program. And then also their willingness to want to, uh, want to do good. Like I never found, I never, even with you, Graham, you know, being on Coventry, you were slightly confident. But when we went to Worlds or comps, we would never say, we are about to win nationals again, or we are about to go top 10. It was like, yeah, see what happens. Whereas I found myself texting home and saying, guys, you need to be there on finals day because I'm about to win Worlds. Like, yeah, I didn't. But would we ever have come second if we didn't believe we were going to win? Would we even have come third if we, we hadn't been, do you want to win Worlds or not? Go again. Do you want to win Worlds or not? Um, and I feel it's that mindset that gets you. We we kind of had that. We've got getting that mindset in the UK. Um, I feel we're still a bit scared to say, "I'm about to win," and that's just very British of us, I think. Um, but yeah, that's the two attributes I think that they are different to the UK. But we are coming and practices and mindsets of athletes are changing to be like they are in America. That was a very long-winded, sorry. No, it's a really good answer. I think one of the most important things that people want to want to find out is what do they do so differently over there? You know, American cheerleading routines are ahead of where we are. You look at the top of the game over there, they're ahead of our top of the game over here. So knowing what is different and what they do differently is a big deal. And I think, you know, if it, even if it was only those two things, that would make such a difference to, to the output of our teams here. So they're my two main parts, but it's just little things of like, if we, if things are coming in in England, like privates, privates in England are very like, well, mm, mm, shum, shum. Every kid that wants to be good in the Cali gym was having a private. They were paying a hundred dollars for nearly for an hour with a coach. And the gym was rammed before sessions would start. They'd be in there. Some of these kids would be in there for hours. They were having flexibility sessions. They were having conditioning sessions, tumbling sessions. They weren't just in the gym for three hours with their team, which is another thing, practice along for every team. Um, that, that willingness, again, from the parents to pay for it, the willingness from the kid to want to be more flexible, want to be better at tumbling. Um, I get it. Not everyone can afford it, but you don't need to, you don't need to go to privates to, to, to get better. Uh, like you yourself, remember we had a conversation once and you were like, well, I didn't get any better at tumbling until I told myself I'm going to tumble every week and I'm going to do a full every week and then I'm going to do a double every week and then I'm going to push, 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 push. Um, and I think it's that willingness again and it's coming in England. We've got like 50% of it, but I feel in England we just want to be good and it's not what's going to make us be good. 
Um, so it's that willingness again from family, coaches, coaches putting the, the privates on for, to family members paying for it, getting them there straight after class, straight after school. And then the athlete wanting to do it, wanting to have extra flexibility, extra conditioning, extra tumbling before their practices. Um, yeah, it, it, I can't really build on that anymore. There's, there's, there are a lot of things that are different. I think it all comes down to that wanting to. And you see a lot in England, like people wanting to be good, but never going for it, never putting everything they want to put into it to be good. And I, I think it's really important. And again, love, love the way you said it. And I think it really does... Uh, explain what a great athlete should should be and what great attributes they should have. What do you think makes someone a good teammate? Hmm. It depends what team you're on. Because um, it was weird for me because being on Coventry... Picking up Bobble in Vegas, yeah, that's the... A good, a good teammate was different to how it would be in America because mm-hmm. in... In England, it was, it was, it was the laughter, the connection we had as a group of people, um, as a, as a whole unit. It was that knowing that you're on the other side of the floor and you're going to land your tumble, so I need to keep my stunt in the air, or knowing that the stunt behind me is going to stay up, so I need to keep my stunt up. Whereas in America, it was a good teammate. If you told your mate that he was not being very good, and calling them out, and and things that in England would be like, oh, I don't like you anymore, or you're not my friend anymore. Um, like, yeah, in England, we had the jokes, like, oh, did you, you drop your stunt? Oof. But it was never, like, in, it, in America, it was intense. Like, you would be called out by the coach, then you'd be called out by your teammate. But then that made you like, well, I don't want to drop that again. Because I've just been made an absolute fool. Or someone would come over and do your position for you, and then just walk off. And you'd be like, all right, yeah, I was actually just faffing around there. Sort, sort, sort your stuff out, Sam. Um, and to some people, old me, when I was in England, I'd have been like, well, I hate you now, Graham. Like, you've just made me look a fool. But in America, it was like, okay, thanks for being a good teammate to show me that it is possible and I can do it. Um, but a good all around for both teams, I would say is the willingness to learn and listen. Um, and to be able to pick each other up when the sessions get hard um, and adapt to so many different people in a room, so many different people hand situations differently, they handle competitions differently, and it's just being able to understand and adapt um, to help your teammates out, keep them, keep them invested, keep them pushing, keep them willing to want to be there. Um, yeah, that's what I, yeah. Cool, I'd say. What would you say was your proudest moment in cheerleading? Mm. Team England, first ever year, bronze medal. Um, yeah, and also, yeah, Team England, first year, bronze medal, both co-ed and all-girl, placing, first time, in ICU, showing that we were there, showing that it can be done. Um, 
also me again doing things that people say I wasn't the best athlete I've never been the best all-around athlete that season was probably one of my roughest seasons to date on and off the floor with my group um and to then finish it with a medal the first medal for England I say along with all girl as well along with Alex sharing that because she was bronze no one outshone each other even though it's great for her to do better no but no no medal outshone it was bronze bronze both teams doing well and England stamped themselves as a force on the on the ICU stage and I feel like that was a very like yeah you you can do it it doesn't matter if as long as you keep pursuing something then it will happen as long as, as long as you don't doubt yourself um it you can achieve things and i think it was it was a very proud moment personally as well as for the country which makes it all that better awesome and and another question kind of the opposite of that and sorry not when i warned you about what would you say was your worst moment in cheerleading Can I pick two? Yeah. Pick two. As long as one of you just training with Graham. <laughs> Is this personally or as a team or program? Personally for you, in your cheer career. <laughs> Dropping a hands, so a prep on my own which people probably have never seen my first ever Cali competition in America. I did a toss to hands in the middle of a pyramid and dropped a flyer straight off the back. And I was devastated, absolutely devastated that something so small could go so badly wrong. <laughs> um, and then as a team, I'd probably go back to Calais and it sounds very, very selfish of me. And I am very, very proud and honored of my medal, but not to win worlds. And with either of those, I'm probably thinking more about the second one. Cause it's probably a bigger deal in theory is could, could you or the team have done anything differently to make that goal? Do you look back at your year and think we could have trained harder. We could have pushed more and we could have got that goal. Um, I think, no, we, we had mistakes day one and day two. We did have mistakes. Um, I think there were things, no, I, I think, I think we were just beaten by a higher score in routine. So even if you, if you watch the routines, Especially as a non-cheerleader, you'd be like, why didn't you win? Then if you know the scoring, we were just outscored. Um, would I do it again? Yeah, 100% I'd do it again if I was allowed to. <laughs> but I think it was just, I think it's that mindset again, which you do get, go back to the question before, it sets you up for devastation because you get in such a mindset to believe something so much then not get what you've said it sets you up for devastation day after we were great but on that day at that moment 
we actually got an email from USASF saying we were bad sportsmen. Like I was smiling. It was a very great achievement for me, but it's that mindset. You're, you're still in that circle, like still telling yourself, we're going to win. We're going to win. And, and even some of the people on the team that had been through a lot, they were still the same. They were, they were just asking the coaches, can we just mourn? Can we just mourn for a day? And then we'll be happy tomorrow. And the people were so different the next day. It was weird. And it, it, did, it, it kind of took away from my, that world experience for me. Because I, if I was an English team, I'd have been crying. I'd have been jumping around with second place. Um, uh, but yeah, that's the downset of getting you downset of getting you in that in that mental preparation to say you're going to win. You also set yourself up for the failure. What was the question again? Sorry, I've gone off. On a Your worst moment in cheer. So, do you, do you think there's anything you could have done? Oh, sorry. The, no, we, we were just outscored. We were just out school. We had problems day one and two. In the end of the day, you can't win worlds having problems. And I don't look any, and I don't want to look any deeper into it than that because whenever I think about it, it still hurt. It still does hurt. And I, I think it's more of a fact it was just so close. It was what what it wouldn't change my life. And I tell this to any young athletes: it wouldn't change your life if you lose. It doesn't change your life. Your life does not change. Um, but it still gets me sometimes. And when I'm, when I talk to some of the, my ex, um, teammates on the phone or whatever, and we get deep into it, we all feel exactly the same. Like, it's just, it's not nice to think about. So I guess, you know, you've said they train so differently, they train so hard and they train with that expectation. Um, and it made it so much harder for you to come second at Worlds, which, you know, should have been a really great thing, but for you guys, it was really gutting because you'd put that prep in. Would you do it differently if you went back? Would you be like, oh, we could do training a little bit easier. We wouldn't have to put so much pressure on ourselves. We could come second and we could enjoy it. Would you make that change or would you do everything the same? No, because I believe that we probably wouldn't even have placed if you dropped any of that level. I think everyone needs to be at a certain level to be up there within contention. And then it comes down to competition day to who places where they place but I feel if we were a bit more relaxed and I hadn't put myself in that first place mindset would we even have come third because um, it just puts you in a different when you hit the floor it puts you in a different type of how you're going to deal with things and yeah that that did start from a young not young from an early age with Coventry um, but of like, well, I'm going to save this. I need to make this correction. I need to make that correction. Um, but the way we trained was I walked onto the floor with literally we'd done it so many times. You'd trained it that hard, that tired, that it couldn't really go wrong. Well, I mean, that was probably my next question was what, what did you guys do to get ready for competition? As in comp prep, like weeks before or week before, or um, I guess in the in the lead up to comp, what was it? You know, what was it like two weeks before, one week before? What did you do on comp day? Week before, the gym was on fire. You'd have extra teams in, extra practices, going full out with crowds of people because there'd be more than one team in the gym. There'd be five, six teams in the gym. You do like you do in the UK. You do comp warm up. Um, come warm up, go for it. 
quite a lot of the time we would comp warm up, would we? Comp warm up like a world's warm up because that's their end goal. Everything they do is training for worlds. So you do it like it's going to be on world's day. Um, they do a lot of crazy psychological things. So if it's going to be hot where you're going, they'll keep the door shut in the gym. There'll be no heating on. There'll be no aircon on. All that type of thing. All that getting, because when we flew to Florida, it was a lot hotter than in Cali. Um, and same again. Did it work? Didn't it work? If, if it did, it could give you that 1%. Um, but the, the coaches, they up their enthusiasm. Like when NCAs, it's on its way. The gym gets full of NCA jackets. I don't know where they came from, to be honest. I think coaches, athletes bring them in and they hang them all across the front of the gym. And it puts the NCA teams in that mindset. Um, summits on its way up. Everything goes up. Worlds, everything goes up. Whatever comp you're going towards, they gear it like it's going to be the best competition you're going to. Um, Training-wise, it normally gets harder. Longer weekends, um, extra practice in the week, and they could just slap them on you two days before practice. Or you could be in on the Saturday and they say, you're going to be here tomorrow, right? We're like, we're not in Sunday. They're like, you're going to be here tomorrow, aren't you? And that was it. That was the back to that dedication and wanting to be there. No one would ever go, no, it's my Sunday off or day of rest. Yeah, cool. We'll drive another four hours to be here because we've got to be. Um, so things would get more intense, a lot more intense in the gym. Wow. So a really different way of doing everything. Um, and I guess one question now to wrap it all up is what advice would you give a younger athlete who wants to be the best cheerleader they can be, who wants to, you know, whether their goal is to go to summit with a UK team or if they want to go train with an American team or they want to make team England one day, what, 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 what advice would you give them? So best athlete be wanting to do it enjoy every second of it and if you want to be better do as much as you can to be better be in the gym when it's not training day look after yourself outside the gym um from a from a young age really really enjoy it as you get a lot more fit like more into the the older age and the higher levels be very mindset into it like I was either in or I was out. Some days I'd be all cheer. Some days I'd be out. I have to be one or the other. And that's just, that's just me. But what I did outside the gym was all for cheer. Everything was for cheer. Like, so like now I'm not competing. Things are a bit more relaxed, a lot less relaxed. Don't train outside the gym nowhere near as much as I used to. Um, but be all in to where you want to be. Um, but then as a person, just go and do it. Go and don't let anyone tell you you can't. Like, as I still sit here now, i got three medals, three world's medals, and I am not the best athlete in the world. I'm probably outside of the top 50 in the UK. If you had a ranking, one... 100 i'd be outside the top 50 of how good i am compared to the, the other 50 people 60 people in the country but i've done more and i've got more to show for it and that's only because i went and did it that's it be all in be all in to where you want to be go for it enjoy the journey um 
do as much as you can and know if you don't don't do it if you don't do those extra bits you only have yourself to blame but just go and do it just just send the video team england was just sending a video coventry was just turning up to the first ever tryouts i turned up to just turning up to the gym and not knowing anybody never doing level five in my life uh cali was sending a video it's just doing it you're only ever going to get a no and then you work harder and that year that year that i got on cali was the year i didn't get on team england i'd been on team england for two seasons back to back third and second place didn't get on the year they won it could have crushed me and it, it on the day it was horrendous absolutely horrendous to to be to think think okay but get a bit comfortable and think well i it, I should get a place on that team because I've been there the last two years. But also know where I had to improve. So I went away, partner stunting, sucked at it, absolutely sucked at tryouts for the, the year they won. And I knew that was one of the main things that didn't get me on. If I was going to go to Cali, I needed to get better at it. Practice, practice, practice. Then it was like, I'm still going to Cali. It could have knocked me back. Sent my video, flew out that year. Love it. Um, well, that was all the questions that I had for you. And I think that's going to be so useful for, you know, everyone who hears it for taking away those big lessons. It is, you know, it is all about dedication. It is all about what you put into it and you've got to put it into it. Um, my favorite story that I tell about when I was, you know, getting there as a high level athlete was once I was not taken for a world team. I was on like a UK team, but then the world team when and they had an empty space, they didn't take me, they took no one instead. They'd rather have an empty space on the floor than have me on the team, and that was so gutting. But I took it, I worked as hard as I possibly could, um, and I've, to this day, never been turned down for a world team since because of how hard it made me work and then how hard I had to push to prove myself every year after that. And I think, you know, it's, that's my favourite story because it says, you, you know, you might not be accepted first time, you may put everything into it and it might not be enough, but all you've got to do is keep putting your everything into it and it will get you where you want to go. Maybe, you know, I like you, silver at Worlds, I've never got a gold. I may never get a gold at Worlds, but I'm okay with that. When I think back about what I've done in cheerleading, I'm really happy with what I've done and what I've achieved. So yeah, thank you so much. for it. That's all right. That, and that's, that's all I do is just think, I take it, that's one negative, one negative from... 11 years of positives and that's what I take from it like I say it still gives me shivers to not say I'd love to say I'm a world champion I would love to say it because it just rings it's just it's great but same with you you're now on your coaching journey because that's that's now not that that's now my step was was to which has obviously been cut short I never coached for one competition um because of covid hopefully coventry take me back and i can carry on my coaching journey because i was done with competing and i fully same again being all in i was all into coaching i i never knew the rules i never knew that stuff so I, as soon as i said i'm going to coach in on the rules in on this watching choreography seeing how to hit the score sheet seeing how to be different because if, if people know me i want to be i don't want to be normal i want to be different and to how i could invest in everything to be a coach and taking my the positive approach from america is i've already said i am going to win something as a coach 
And that is now, I'll set the next 11 years to that, what I've done as an athlete. It's now, I'm going to try again. I fell short as an athlete, but can I do it as a coach? And then when I, it'll just make it so much more sweeter. And the same with you, same with you, Graham. You're now a coach. And absolutely over the moon that your team will go into Worlds this year. The first ever Bournemouth team to be given a Worlds bid is incredible. And the comeback will always be bigger than this stupid COVID. Um, and it's 2021 is going to be so much more sweeter for you guys. But as a coach, you have probably now got exactly the same goal as you're now going to win something as a coach. And I've already told my, my, my um, say again, if Coventry take me on for 11 years would be great. I've picked my team. I want to stay with that team. And I've already said, I already said three years I wanted to win Summit. Yes, we've had a knockback now because of 20. So maybe it's another year coming. I'd already put down on paper 2022, I wanted to win Summit. Um, and it drives you so much more because why are you turning up at the gym? And I can't, I like recreational. Don't take away from mm -hmm. recreational, but I just love competition. Um, and just having that power to speak it gives you so much more um, attachment to what you're doing. So as any young athlete, tell people, any born of people that are going to be watching this, tell Graham when you're going to win Worlds. Tell Graham when you're going to get on a Worlds team. Tell Graham, tell, tell the other coaches when you're going to do something. And then go do it. Because the biggest powerful thing you can do is speak it. 100%. 100%. Getting a bit philosophical and a bit into it now. But 100% is saying it. Graham's going to win Worlds as a coach. I'm going to win Summit as a coach. And that's the plan. Bosh, so thank you for coming on, Graham. Um, I could Sorry. sit and chat for hours. I'm glad you got to be the first person to see my new T-shirt. People, people who are listening on Apple Podcasts is my, uh, my Coffee with Sam T-shirt. Um, people who are local to Bournemouth, Graham, how can they find about Bournemouth Elite? And how can they find out However they want, Instagram, Facebook, uh, we've got a website, just type it into Google. We are all over those, so just pop us a message, however. Awesome. Thank you for coming on to the Coffee with Sam podcast, Graham. I've actually missed your little face. Um, we need to catch up very soon. And uh, it's a very special edition because it's me getting interviewed. Um, and I hope that your little kiddie winkles or your senior athletes take something from this. Um, if they want to reach out to me, I'm always happy for a conversation. Graham knows I like to talk about myself, so it's fine. Um, but if you need any advice or anything you don't want to go to your coaches about taking that step or doing something that you think you're not ready for, or you're telling yourself in the back of your mind, you're not good enough for get at me and I'll tell you you're amazing. And it's time to take that step. Catch you soon, Graham. Thank you. Those little pieces